Hello, you are listening to the All Girls School podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Barrett, a graduate from an all-women's college in Virginia. This podcast aims to highlight the diverse experiences and life journeys of graduates from all women's colleges. Listeners can expect to hear candid conversations about a wide variety of topics. This podcast strives to be in an inclusive space, so some guests may identify themselves as non-binary or trans. I hope you're ready because class is about to start. Hello, my name is Victoria Barrett. I'm the host of the All Girls School podcast. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I attended Mary Baldwin College, which used to be an all-women's college. And each week, uh, I have a guest who also attended an all-women's college. This week, um, we actually have someone who was not in the VUL program uh, for a change, which I'm really excited about. Um, she did go to Mary Baldwin still. So still Mary Baldwin, still repping Mary Baldwin. But uh, what we like to call a traditional student. So I'm very excited to introduce Kosh Ratniaki. Thank you so much, Victoria. Uh, my name is Kosh. Everyone, nice to meet you. I, as Victoria mentioned, went to Mary Baldwin, where I majored in English. Um, I'm originally from Sri Lanka. I was born there and lived there for a few years before my family and I emigrated to the D.C. area um, and ultimately settling in uh, Maryland. Um, my pronouns, I go by she, her. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to be here and to just see what conversations we get into. <laughs> All right. Um, so you kind of gave some in information, some background information. Uh, how did you find out about Mary Baldwin College? Because I know pretty much most of the other guests I've had on, you know, were um, very much attracted to Mary Baldwin because of the VWL program. So I'm just curious what put Mary Baldwin on your radar and were you actually like looking at all women's colleges or did you just stumble into Mary Baldwin? Right. It was a very funny situation, actually. It happened by chance. Um, I think I had uh, signed up for some college application website where they just sent me informational materials about just certain colleges, you know, all over the world based on what my degree of interest was, which was English at the time. So I got this little pamphlet thing in the mail from Mary Baldwin. And I was like, oh, okay. And I looked through the programs. I mean, they, their brochure looked cool, but I never really like looked into it. Like it never, I didn't actively seek it. You know, it was a very small liberal arts women college, you know, and I'm in the DC area. There are bigger colleges there, you know? So it never really crossed my radar. And at the time I wanted to go um to I think it was St. John's University in oh, New okay. York yeah <laughs> my parents were like no we're not shipping you up to New York <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic because I just spent five years in the Middle East like <laughs> you yeah. know really but yeah when I was you know a kid I couldn't go up to New York for college so um my friends and I were discussing, you know, college in general. And then one of them brought up Mary Baldwin and uh, her name is Perry Wilson. She attended Mary Baldwin oh, for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And she and I were very close in high school, you know? And so we were both like, hey, you got, you know, um, information about it? Yeah, me too. Let's look at it together. So she and I ended up touring Mary Baldwin with my dad and her mom. And like, we were like, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's very quiet. You know, the, the hills are going to kill us. But I mean, 
tape, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Our parents liked it. It was all around like, okay. And it seemed like it would be like a smooth transition from high school to college. So we ended up applying, we got in. And for me anyway, I can't speak for Perry, but um, the Vivo program never really piqued my interest. I saw it and I thought it was cool because I've done um, like JRROTC, like things mm -hmm. of that. Um, when I was growing up and I was like, at some point, maybe I wanted to go into the military, but mm -hmm. I never thought of it like that. You know, I think I was too stubborn to ever commit, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I, I just went in and I, I considered like, maybe I should try Vuel, but then I saw you guys and I saw mm -hmm. like what you guys had to endure. And I was like, mm, it's not really for me. You know, I respect it. I get it. It's not really for me. <laughs> you know and I just like stayed on the traditional route <laughs> yeah but you like pretty much were friends with a ton of people in VWell like yeah you guys were really cool you know you guys knew how to have a good time you guys were <laughs> classes you know I, I bonded with a lot of you guys and I got to see like I stepped into that world you know for a mm -hmm. little um, which I don't even know if this is allowed, but I tried on uniforms and stuff like that. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, you played, you played soccer, right? I did, yeah. 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 I think that's how a lot of like, also like some of my sister Knowles like knew you and got yeah. to know you was through soccer too. Yeah. Some but, of my best friends, even till this day are from, were for, formed when I was in soccer, you know, it was yeah. such a bonding experience. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, let's see, what is my next question? Uh, so you were interested in St. John's. Were there any other colleges that you thought about going to? No, I wasn't really ambitious in that way. I was like, mm -hmm. Let me like, I just want to get in at the time. And it's funny, ironically, because I'm a teacher now <laughs> and I see the value and importance of education, but honestly, quite frankly, at the time I didn't. When I was just getting out of high school, I was like, okay, this is just something you do. Like, I don't mm -hmm. actually seek a passion. I loved English. I loved literature. And that made me want to study it. But mm -hmm. beyond that, everything else, all the gen eds and everything, you know, I was like, this is pointless to me because I didn't want it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I didn't value it. But um, not wanting to, like, go into so many colleges, I was like, let me just pick one. I visited Mary Baldwin. It was really like, I liked it. It was uh, mm -hmm. beautiful. Like the classes had what I needed. And um, I that's kind of what like pushed me to do it. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny how you talked about like the hills because it was <laughs> like extremely hilly. Like there was no way to get on campus like without going up a hill. Like, because it was pretty much at the top of a hill. Like whichever way you left campus to get back on, you had to go uphill. And did anyone ever tell you what like MBC actually stood for? Did you ever hear that? Mighty big calves. Yeah, mighty big calves. I love that. I was actually really sad when they changed to Mary Baldwin University because I was like, now they can't make that joke when they're giving tours. It's not going to be as fun. Um, but no, I definitely lived it. And I would remember as freshman year, I would scout out like, what's the least hilly way? Like, give me yeah. something you know, but even then you're going to feel a burn. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was either a hill or stairs. Like there was no escaping it. No so. reprieve. There's nothing. It's either yeah. you the stairs or it's like two different types of torture. 
literally pick your poison. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got used to it by the end. We're like, okay, well, I'm down in academic. Now I need to go all the way up to Deming. Oh, well, mm-hmm. I got 10 minutes between classes. You know, we just did yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It and fun. then it sounds like most everyone, except for I think one person, um that I've talked to so far has gotten something in the mail for Mary Baldwin and that's kind of like what piqued their interest or what put Mary Baldwin on the radar so I don't know who's sending that mail but I mean it seems to be a good strategy uh yeah so yeah (laughs) yeah whoever is sending out that mail it's working uh it's clearly working it's putting it on a lot of people's radar (laughs) so even still today you know it's not like I follow them on social media but Mm -hmm. I such as alumni and um I see such a diverse crowd you know mm-hmm. and like, it's still like bright-eyed bushy-tailed you know <laughs> freshmen mm-hmm. who are excited to be there you know and yeah so, more or less you know people are wanting to go there people want to still yeah. it for what it is now you know? yeah and I don't know if you've been to Stanton in a long you probably haven't been there in a long time but Stanton is thriving right now like I can't it- yeah, I visited once for like three hours. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was so funny. I went for it once and I saw it. You're right. There are so many different shops. I mean, people are out and about, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know it's developing in a way that we never saw. Yeah. It, yeah. It was definitely a little more sleepy eyed when we were there. But yeah, it has its own Chipotle now. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. It does. Yeah. Like so many, like on right on off of the interstate there's so much more to where I just remember I don't know if you ever did but I know we would drive sometimes to like either Charlottesville or Harrisonburg just to get Chipotle yep that's what we did yeah like 30 minutes either way like just to get (laughs) Chipotle I know yeah well we were so deprived you know yeah and and this is great Masaki is awesome but that's all we had really you know yeah um, but now I see it's on the come up there are more hotels as well yeah. for restaurants and it just just seems livelier so good for them you know? yeah I know Stanton is on the rise <laughs> um let me see um I don't know if I have this later in the questions but I don't know I'll ask it now um looking back uh are you happy that like you went to an all-women's college would you change anything about your college experience um, I don't regret it at all. I think it was uh, vital in who I am today in terms of like my character development, my gender expression, my gender identity, um, just everything in general. Um, I know that if I were to change one thing, it would be my appreciation for the academic portion of it. Um, you know, I think I found around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and like looking back, like, me as who I am now is like I'm the most studious person ever like I'm currently enrolled in my master's and I'm the one leading the group project I'm the one who's like staying on top of it you know it's like a complete 180 and I just wish that like I was like damn I wish I had this you know but I didn't for a reason Mm -hmm. and I just needed to figure it out I needed to go through those motions of not appreciating it becoming an educator and then appreciating it even more you know it's yeah like sacred to me like the institute uh, institution of education so Mm -hmm. um I feel like I needed to go to Mary Baldwin to get myself out there I don't think I would have I don't think I would have cared if I went to a co-ed college versus a women's college I think both ways would have ultimately ended up in the same path um 
but I, yeah, I think that would be the only thing I regret, just like paying attention in class a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there anything else um, with your experiences, like a traditional student that you feel like stood out for you or were there any like I know you participated in soccer were there any other events or programs or traditions um at Mary Baldwin that really stuck out to you during your experience I wouldn't say they're separate from beagle traditions because mm -hmm. we all share the same ones like yeah and apple day and stuff so I think I cherish all of those you know mm -hmm. moments because I think that in a traditional everyday life like everyone was going on in their own separate lives. Like Beagle had their own thing going on. The athletes had their own. Um, people in different degree programs had their own things going on. But then when we would come together uh, during Apple Day, we're like, okay, we could put all of those differences aside, you know, and then just hang out and be friends or do whatever, you know, because I know like with Beagle, there are so many restrictions, especially in your first mm -hmm. year that like you can't uh, socialize and build connections with traditional uh, students in the same way that us traditional students did, you know? So yeah. having those little pockets of those holidays and I recognize it, my friends would tell me about it. They're like, it's nice that we could all hang out, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah you guys are on lockdown and you could, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Freshman year is a little rough as far as like being able to connect with um students who aren't in Vwell because Vwell very much like consumes everything and like it's all about building your relationship with your null class or whatever which does like isolate you and a lot of the times they put us on confinement <laughs> so yeah. it's like oh we can't leave <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. even like if you break it down to certain things that you guys had to do or certain regulations you guys had to comply by. And you think about it, it's like, for example, you guys could walk on grass or something, like you guys yeah. have to walk a certain way. And like, think about like what that does to like the psychology of somebody, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's like, damn, I can't even walk the way I want to walk like from class, you know, yeah. like, and it, it's like that level of discipline that like is so removed from the everyday experience that I feel like it could be sometimes hard to relate to the tradition. Yeah. I still feel feel weird cutting through grass. Like I still <laughs> feel weird about it. But I like that you mentioned Apple Day because that really is, I think, probably the best tradition that Mary Baldwin has. Yeah, it's just, a, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and then like my favorite part was always the dodgeball competition because, oh, yeah. yeah, like <laughs> I feel like <laughs> every class went hard like oh, during it, that competition oh man like no yeah. one was chill everybody no. was up at 100 they were yeah. ready to destroy whatever opponent yeah oh yeah, yeah. it <laughs> was cutthroat like I feel like anyone who would have like been an outsider if they were to come in there and just see like that dodgeball competition they would have been like oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> Like what is like, this? A bunch of women like just releasing yeah. all of this pent up energy. Yeah. Like, and it was like what October or something. You know, it's yeah. Right so everyone's just like. <laughs> yeah. It's like it makes me think of Mean Girls when uh there's like the the scene where it's like they just have all the animal noise in the background. That's what I think of. Like because that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was fun and um I'll never get over like I to this day fall to me is more associated with apples than like anything else than pumpkins or hot yeah 
Yeah, I love apple cider. I love apple cider donuts. Like, yeah, apple day was my was my favorite for sure. Yeah. yeah, it really was. And just having, I don't know, everyone's like, okay, no classes. We have the day off or something mm-hmm. special. And then all of your friends at other colleges are still, you know, in class or whatever. And I don't know. It was like our thing, you know, mm-hmm. enjoyable for sure. I was on the cross country team and one way that uh coach would like prevent us from doing anything stupid like the night before on Apple Eve cuz I mean, you know, right, right. Everyone knows about Apple Eve. Right. Apple Eve was a good time. Coach right. would have like er- like well, we always had early practice, but she wouldn't change it for Apple Day. Like it was still like super early in the morning and I think there was one time where I don't know if I made it I like my memory's gone like I can't remember if I made it there and some of my sister Knowles didn't and then it was like where are they or maybe I wasn't there too like my memory's fuzzy but I know like either some or all of us skipped apple day practice and coach Spalding was pissed yeah, understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the punishment? What did she make you guys do? Man, I don't even remember. I but honestly, Coach Spalding's disappointment, I feel like, is punishment enough. Cause that's, yeah. That's the one that'll hit you right there. Yeah, it stings. Like, especially like I'm sure there was a conversation and just like there's nothing like worse than like disappointing like that disappointment and it's like yeah you really disappointed me but and it's like yeah we did yeah. Yeah. and you know how close we are with our coaches like I know and then to have that and that's happened we had coach Holmes um he was our our soccer coach and there were several instances where we had let him down and like first like it was like all right we're gonna run you out in in practice during practice so he would have us do some gnarly conditioning drills like I'm talking like you know you know the soccer bowl it was literally mm-hmm. that is start from the top and then just go all the way to the other side of the hill and just keep going back and forth and back and forth and yeah. at one point I was like I don't even feel my legs like I don't know what is like pushing me you know and like stuff like um he had you know you remember Charlie and like the, mm-hmm. the water truck <laughs> and Charlie put the water truck in like neutral or just didn't press accelerate and, then, and we as a team in groups had to push this thing up the hill like you know <laughs> we had all of those you know shenanigan consequences <laughs> yeah but then it turned ultimately into him being disappointed in us the coach and mm-hmm. we're like man that just all right guys we really need to tighten up you know like yeah. I remember, I think, yeah, freshman year, I just remembered the whole soccer team being full of like, just some fun personalities, <laughs> like, just some wild personalities on that team. Yeah. I think we, we, in our own ways, were wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all were a fun group for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we had a lot of chemistry um, on the field and because of it, because of us having chemistry outside of the field, I think that just made our bond stronger, like on the field, you know? And um, we won a lot of great games. We did a lot of really, you know, really good moves and things like that and plays, but at the same time we had like just severe losses and that's things that like we couldn't prevent, like at a skill level, the other team was just better, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But we handled those together and I feel like that strengthened the bond as well. So 
just like a really good click, you know, a bunch of people and their energies. And like I said, I'm still really cool with a lot of the people on the team, you know, and like we have people who have had kids who are on the team and they're like aunties and uncles like to each other, you know, it's it's so very sweet. So um, those were special people, I think. And I'm so grateful I joined the soccer team. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to keep talking about experience at Mary Baldwin, but kind of change, shift the subject a little bit. Um, one of the episodes that is coming out this week, um, I don't know if you know who uh, Jazz Roll is. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we had a chat about what it was like being queer at Mary Baldwin. Um do you have any input on what the queer experience was like for you at Mary Baldwin? Yeah, it was very supportive. It felt very safe, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, it held a level of safeness that I don't think would have been the same at a co-ed you know, mm-hmm. institution, for sure. Um, and I don't know, I think it was a bunch of people who were like-minded, you know, those who went to Mary Baldwin and had a queer transformative experience in one way. Like, I think that everyone came together and like, wow, we're kind of all trying to figure what this is out together because maybe in some cases in high school and below, they weren't able to experience or get it out and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, you know? Even if they were from a liberal place, maybe they didn't feel comfortable themselves, you know? And then here they are like on top of a hill together and we're all trying to figure it out. And I don't know. I thought it was unique. And I think it helped me on my journey of Mm -hmm. identity and figuring out who I am. And it's like you experience things that you are aligned with, what you connect with, and you realize like some of these are not for me, you know, and you try Mm -hmm. to figure that out. Um, You know, you meet people, connect with people in college. So I think overall, the queer experience at Mary Baldwin for a lot of people, I'd say, based on my understanding, is very positive. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah, the staff go above and beyond to make sure, you know, the students realize that as well. Yeah, I agree. It definitely felt very safe. And I think it was it was like the first place where I saw like other queer women and just like being queer. And, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure it was like the summer between like my sophomore and junior year. Um uh Partial Tiffany Partial, uh, show, uh, her and Tesla were um, doing like summer work in the Vivo house, and I remember coming up for like one of the like orientation type things to help out, and so I was staying with them, and uh, we Partial had the entire series of the L Word. <laughs> yeah, and so watching that, like it. I was like, I already knew even before watching that, but like, yeah, like it was just honestly such a safe space, especially for that time, because you're an educator. And I think I was a special education teacher before coming to grad school full time for three years. And I, it's, it's kind of like night and day, how far things have come in just like a short amount of time since like we were in middle school and high school. Um, as far as like uh, how comfortable a lot of students are. And I mean, I know it probably varies from like state to state, um, just depending on how, you know, liberal or conservative, um, urban, rural the areas are, but it's, 
when we were in college, like it was a different time. And like, I don't think I knew anyone in high school who was like out like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Chesapeake and honestly, we were in a like pretty diverse, like high school, but as far as like queerness, there were definitely people who I know now that are out. Um, but when we were in high school, like no one really talked about it. Yeah. There was no space there. Yeah. In my high school, it was the opposite. It was very open and super supportive. And there was a a gay straight alliance group that was formed that had a lot of members and they were a strong presence. And I remember in high school, um, I had gay friends at so many of them and I had people still trying to figure it out. Um, And then I remember thinking to myself like, oh, like I know there's something here like within me. I know I feel some kind of way, but I haven't really explored it yet. But like I would have conversations with friends in high school about it who were farther in their journey than me. Um, And I always like looking back, especially living in the UAE where homosexuality is not tolerated, which I know uh, we're going to get into later. (laughs) But like, you know, having that experience of coming back, like I realized the how important it is to have that support, to feel safe, to feel wanted and all those kinds of things. And I'm glad that I'm grow- I am grew up in that kind of environment, whereas like some of my students over there who, um, mm-hmm. you know, based on what they have shared, they're in that kind of journey too. Like they don't have that freedom, yeah. right? Strictly um, Islamic country. So yeah. you know, that puts things into perspective. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool that y'all had a gay straight alliance club i remember very vividly my senior year telling two of my friends in my government class uh that i was going to mary baldwin it was an all girls or all women's college and uh one of them jordan he was like oh so you're gonna like turn into a lesbian so number one (laughs) stereotype but and the funny thing was my friend miranda who was there laughed but here's the thing we talk about that stereotype right like anyone who goes to an all women's college has to be a lesbian. But the funny part is, is that like my friend who also laughed at it, like went to a big state co-ed school at the end of college. We're both out as like queer. So it, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, yeah, but it did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just thought that, was funny and when I especially when that stereotype comes up a lot because that's really what me and Roll were talking about um yeah. in that episode so yeah I think I know I, I get why people think that way because mm-hmm. again it's like this really safe space mm-hmm. for anyone yeah. like, and theoretically more people would in turn come out so mm-hmm. it, it's like the statistics and logistics behind it it kind of makes sense that people would come out you know yeah Um, that I guess in turn provides a greater output (laughs) yeah um but I'm sorry my dog is like barking at me I knew this would happen but it's okay uh hopefully he'll get over it and (laughs) I'm sure one of my three cats at some point is going to come interrupt the show so (laughs) yeah um but yeah I figured this might happen so I'll just if you know you hear him bark just it's okay He's a, yeah, after college, uh, you said that you got into education 
right? How, how did you, was that something you always planned? Cause I know you said that you wanted to study English. Was the education route something that you had always planned to do afterwards? Yeah, I think at some point I wanted to become an educator, but more mm-hmm. so a professor. When mm-hmm. I was first looking at majoring in English, I ultimately wanted to be a writer and really focus mm-hmm. on developing my craft in literature and then have a living as like a journalist, you know, <laughs> a little bit of that. Um, because I had a really, I had two really, really amazing English teachers um, my junior and senior year of high school. And I was like, I want their brain, you know, I want the way. <laughs> You know, they left such an impression on me that um, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. But I remember um, one of the requirements or something where I had to do it. I had to sign up to be a tutor at the writing center. Um, And I was like, let's see what this is about. And so I enjoyed it. I loved dissecting people's art, I guess. You know, it's just like and it's like redlining it and showing them why you know these rules apply in this way you know and it was really fun I felt um like it wasn't just about telling people what was wrong with the paper it was like building a connection with people um because like I don't know it's sometimes it's hard to write you know it's mm-hmm. it's hard to articulate what you what's going on up there especially in an academic sense if I don't know English isn't your first language mm-hmm. or you know, somebody is bad at English just as much as I'm bad at math, you know, so, but I found a way to connect with people um, while doing the tutoring program. I was like, I kind of want to do this, you know, but I never really looked into it after I graduated. Um, I was trying to find a job and I randomly got into insurance, (laughs) you know, it was like the easiest way. And so I did that for a little bit. I was like, what am I doing? You know, I was like, (laughs) not my life like I can't imagine like everything I've gone through and like I don't know 10 years down the road I don't want to be in the insurance industry you know yeah yeah that's not like my (laughs) that's not my personality you know um so I started looking for a new job and then there was a position for an English tutor with this company um based in Richmond Virginia and I was living in Richmond Virginia at the time So um, basically, I was a tutor for um, their middle school and elementary school kids. And so I'd help them for their um, like state testing, basically. And I loved it, developed friendships and relationships with like the administrative staff, you know, professionally. And then one of the assistant principals reached out and she was like, how would you like to become a teacher? We could get you a provisional license. We could, you know, you could take your courses and teach at the same time. And I was like, okay, well, it's kind of like bringing me back to my writing center days. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm enjoying, um, you know, teaching kids, tutoring them and seeing that aha moment, you know, like imagine if I could do that to a classroom. And so I did that. And my first year of teaching was very challenging, I think, because I, I mean, you've been a special educator before, like Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be Miss Honey and Matilda, but you end up becoming, you know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) no matter who you teach you know yeah yeah um and so that was really difficult and then uh I did it in one way you know um and then I that was the year right before I applied um to work in the UAE as an English teacher and so I did like one year um in in middle school and then I moved to the UAE and then I was a teacher for like four years additionally before moving on to my current field right now which is behavioral therapy or ABA awesome yeah Yeah. so um you mentioned uh moving to the UAE so you just got back you were there for five years so what made you want to um 
apply to teach in the UAE and what was that experience like? Right. It wasn't from my own volition. It was actually my dad that uh, recommended it. He was like, well, if you want to be a teacher, why don't you work in a country where, um, you know, you get a higher income, there are better benefits and it's tax free. And I, I started looking into it. Um, and then, you know, I was allured, I guess, by the lifestyle and everybody knew what Dubai was, you know, like, mm -hmm. you have depression and like, I don't know if anybody gets a chance to work there. I think they would jump into it, you know, <laughs> having not lived there before, just being an American in general. And so I went for the interview in New York. My dad took me and I thought I failed it. I don't know. They made me so nervous. They were very formal, you know. <laughs> But then I got like the email a few weeks later that I got in and I was like, whoa, this is exciting. Like, this is about to be the next chapter of my life. I think I was like 24 at the time or 25. And I thought like, I knew it all. And I was like, this is me. I'm a big girl. I'm an adult. Like, this is, I'm going to move, you know? <laughs> and then I get there and it was, man, it was like a slap to the face, like in terms of like a culture shock and just like trying to figure things out and be an adult in a different mm -hmm. country language and a different religion right yeah and so <laughs> I don't know it was hilarious <laughs> just having that yeah um what do you think oh I don't know if you heard that that was my dog <laughs> I know it's so funny oh, okay <laughs> that good yeah <laughs> he, yeah he just barked at me so I mean that's probably good that you can't hear it because if you can't hear it hopefully yeah. uh when <laughs> the file gets uploaded no one can hear it right. um but yeah he's <laughs> he's kind of mad at me um do you need to check in on him is he right? well he's just i he wants to go outside but it it it's a it's 10 we're on the 10th floor so it's not like a quick deal to go outside well but, if you need to i'm okay with that like i'm not pressed for time yeah. if you want to let him out it's okay oh no it, he's fine he's just needy sometimes he can he can chill for like 20 more minutes he'll be okay um <laughs> but yeah um he's a husky so like he always wants to go out to be honest and it's something about when I'm on the computer yeah that he's like yeah um excuse me now that you're busy doing something this is when I'm gonna bark at you I'm not gonna bark at you before that like it's funny I had an online class one of my classes is online and um he is like has never barked at me when I'm like watching TV during that same amount, a lot of time period. But then as soon as I have an online class, he's like, I'm barking at you. Exactly. Yeah. That's how my cats were, you know, during pandemic, I was teaching from home through zoom and it was clockwork. It's like my cats knew my schedule. They yeah. would up right when I was signing on and I would, you know, be teaching. And then I would ask my students a question. And then of course it'll fall upon <laughs> No one's paying attention during online class. And then all of a sudden it's silence and my cat just like meows loudly and the kids start <laughs> laughing. You know? That's hilarious. So I just started using it as a reinforcer. I was like, look, yeah. she has one I like, see my cats at the end of the period, gotta get the work done. <laughs> you know? yeah. They wanted to see the cats. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so you did say it was a bit of a culture shock. What yeah. do you think? are some maybe some misconceptions that a lot of Americans might have about living in the UAE that might surprise them? I get this a lot, especially since moving back recently and meeting new people. Everyone has this perception that um, the UAE is just as conservative as other countries in the Gulf, like Saudi Arabia or something like that. When in turn, 
I think it's more so like the New York <laughs> of that region, <laughs> like a lot of people have been saying. Um, I think like the initial cultural shock was because it's like the temperature and you know everything around it, the desert climate, and just dealing with the heat and humidity. Um, I came in the beginning of August, which is pretty much the hottest time there. I mean, temperatures can reach 130, you yeah. know, 130 with the humidity. And I'm like, <laughs> coming from Virginia to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but aside from that, it's just the general way of living, the language, just the culture. Um, it's a lot more relaxed than what mm-hmm. we're used to in the U.S. And everything is kind of built on like relationships and connections versus like business transactions you know like sometimes you just want to go and get stuff done but there it's like different you know and like I think they like people in general um Mm -hmm. over there they value you more they have like a stronger pull to you if you take the time to build that connection so I had to like learn my patience and small talk Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) it does seem like that's a very like American thing to where we're like we're so focused on we're so task oriented and like we are always just like hard charging and it it is kind of like what we were talking about before we started recording to where like that's just our mentality like through work but a lot of other countries like I've lived in South Korea I've traveled to Europe um I was in Kuwait for nine months um on a rotation there so I understand exactly the heat that you're talking (laughs) about and that desert life um you know (laughs) It, it's rough especially during those months I know. Uh, yeah it's like you don't want to go outside it's so hot um, and it's like you're settling in so you have to go out you have to go get furniture you have to like order stuff and like mm-hmm. it's like you just want to reprieve from the heat but you just can't like yeah <laughs> but yeah I definitely get that Americans were just like go 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 like and um and we, you see it like we don't have that much paid like time off and things like that. So like, yeah. but I think our generation is trying to step away from that. We're trying to take more time for ourselves to travel, to do creative things, find creative outlets, mm-hmm. um, give ourselves like more purpose and meaning as opposed to um just constantly working and burning ourselves out trying to find that balance right and I think for the longest time when I was um, an English teacher I felt burnt out like I enjoyed what I was doing but it got to a point where it just felt stagnant and I was like Mm -hmm. this is not going to be my life like I go to work come home eat sleep rinse repeat you know it's fulfilling um so I I kind of like moved careers And then like, I was like, okay, I'm not, the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to have to love it. Like, I'm going to have to be so passionate about it that I'm okay with leaving my bed and my cats and my life Mm -hmm. and and dedicating myself like a thousand percent and then coming back. And so I finally found like that good balance, I think. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, like, I think that's vital, you know, for like my mental health and being okay, like with Mm -hmm so much and like just being in you know the rat race is like at least I enjoy it at least I'm having a great time and at least I can learn from it you know mm-hmm. and I, I just wish that more people had that same opportunity because I know a lot of people our age like we're stuck in stuff that we want to get out of you know like, yeah we just don't have the circumstance the resources or just like the background to get into it and it's like man it's it's like a tough mm-hmm. world out there you can't like get into something you're very passionate about yeah. And it's, it's also kind of like scary to, to take that 
um, jump or take that leap and that risk. So I think, I think there's a lot of people, yeah, that want to get out, but maybe are just scared, but also resources and things like that, um, are a big factor. Like my sister just switched from, um, her, she had been working, um, for like a family owned company in their sign division. And she, um, had so much stress. Cause I mean, even though she wasn't paid as like the supervisor for that division, the sign division, she had that role and that responsibility. Um, so it, it was a family owned company though. So obviously she wasn't in charge of the division. So there was, you know, some things out of her control, but she was just carrying all the stress and weight of like a position that she wasn't getting paid for. And she's actually, um, starting as an art teacher, uh, this year, uh, graphic design and photography, which is what she got her degree in, in college. So it's just nice to see her, you know, step away from that and, and take that chance and take that risk. And we had a conversation on the phone to where she was like, should I do it? Like, is it worth taking the risk? And I was like, I was like, I think it's scary, but if you, if you really want to do it, then it's worth the risk. So I'm, I'm happy that she's doing it. Good. Yeah. And I think all that takes is that push, you know, like internal, like, okay, I'm going to bounce back ideas with my sister, but you know what? Like at the end of the day, I want to do it. And I think now, ever since I've uh, moved to the UAE, I've been kind of trying to live my life in that way, you know, Mm -hmm. with like, you know, moderation, but (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't know, before I moved to Florida, I didn't think I was going to move to Florida. And, you know, I was in the UAE. I had been there for five years and my trajectory was going to be there for the next like five to 10 years because I loved it there. I Mm -hmm. had my friends, I had my life, I had my hobbies, all of these things, you know, and I was enjoying my life. Like I felt safe, you know, like Mm -hmm. despite a lot of misconceptions that I think we should come back to like that um, part about, you know, the misconceptions, but a lot of uh, people around the world have this misconception that the UAE is like dangerous and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, but it's, it's the safest place, you know? And so I wanted to stay there, but then this opportunity came and in a way it was kind of like a promotion for me to use my skill sets in a whole different way. And I was like, well, this is going to really put me on the map you know, like in the Mm -hmm. company and as well as like my career. So let me just do it. Um, And so I remember speaking to like my colleagues about it and uh, my assistant directors, you know, and they were like pushing me, like, you have the skill set, you can do it, you can do it. I was like, huh, maybe I can do it, you know? And then it just took that leap of faith to kind of just close out my life in the UAE and then just settle down in South Florida. And Mm -hmm. this is my new normal, you know, and I- a while to like process that because I don't know I was like over there for five years like living Mm -hmm. my life and then this is now my new normal you know yeah going back to what you said about the misconceptions and like about the UAE being dangerous and I think yeah I think a lot of Americans especially Americans that haven't traveled outside of the U.S. don't really understand what it's like in different countries and especially they just don't do their research like the UAE is a wealthy country and it's you know the buildings are amazing it's clean and like um, the united states in comparison to a lot of other countries is like i've lived in south korea i've traveled to um, japan 
parts of Europe, Canada, Australia, and things like that. And, you know, the United States has a little ways to go with like cities and tran- public transit and things like that. We're, we're subpar. Like, yeah. and I don't think a lot of Americans realize that it's much safer in so many other countries. Okay. Uh, thir- like, unless you go to a third world country, like for when it c- compared to other like first world countries, like the United States, as far as like safety and things like that is probably one of the least safe places that I've been, or I feel like, yeah, 100%. I completely agree with you. I remember when I was apartment hunting still in the, in Abu Dhabi, uh, in the UAE, I was like, I just need a safe place. I'll pay extra for the security, you know, because I didn't know what I was going to walk into mm-hmm. because I had been just going from five years of being able to, I don't know, leave my bag, uh, with my wallet and money in a cab and then they're calling me like hey madam we have your bag we're leaving you in a hotel or whatever and it's there the next day to you know like this and like i don't know there are firearms here people you know have a tendency to be more reactive like explosive mm-hmm. and um in the uae people just don't act like that um I think that's like one of the biggest differences and a lot of misconceptions are based on this that uh, Americans are like, well, I came in there and like, I was like, I don't know, somehow they got arrested or they got in trouble or whatever. And it's like, what were you doing? Oh, I was yelling. Oh, I was giving the middle finger. Oh, I was doing all mm-hmm. this. Like, all of these things are, which are explicitly prohibited in UAE <laughs> law. And it's like, why didn't you do your research you know, to do it? And I don't know, like there's a level of decency that's expected legally, mm-hmm. as, like societally as well, that we all have to follow. And we do all follow for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are outliers. You know, there's crazy yeah. people everywhere, right? But as a collective whole, for the most part, it's very respectful. It's very modest. And that's how we're expected to act, you know, and for the most part, like we have bars and clubs where people just let it out. People can get out what they need to, but in public, you know, um, the UAE holds its reputation to its country in really high standards. So mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> nonsense is going on, like in public streets that could cause mm-hmm. a stir, they're really, really quick to put a stop to that, you know, and that's why people get in trouble because they're trying to be American in a different country, mm-hmm. trying to be like uh, European in a different country. And it's like, you can't. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah when i was in south korea and i think they've gotten rid of it since then there was a curfew and there were like a lot of rules associated uh with like being in the military like army wise like uh second infantry division but a lot of that is because uh, you know uh, like american soldiers especially guys don't know how to act so they've done things in the past that you know have set this precedent to where they're trying to prevent those kind of incidents happening um right in in that host nation and things like that so because other people don't know how to act um it you know we everyone else had you know to follow these extra rules um which was definitely frustrating but yeah and but that area was so safe like i like I never once was ever worried uh even just even with the language barrier even traveling to like different parts of South Korea like never once was concerned um for safety and uh everyone was always just like so helpful even if they couldn't speak English I had a cab driver once call his son who could speak English 
And so had put me on the phone with his son so I could explain like where my hostel was. Right. That's, yeah. that's cool. And I think that, you know, the UAE people in the UAE share that same mentality. Mm-hmm. I remembered missing like the, one of the first things I was missing when I moved back here is how eager everyone is, you know, when it comes to wanting to help out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know, like my car is broken down several times on the highways, um, in the UAE and without fail, there would be some guy coming to help me in a truck, like in the tow trucks and the police will come and they're just like, we'll take care of whatever you need. You know, they're so mm-hmm. easy that, and they just don't expect anything in, re- in return. It's just genuinely done out of the goodness of their heart. But yeah. I feel like in America, like, yes, you have pockets of people like that do that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's like a dog eat dog world out here. Like, yeah. I flew in um, from Abu Dhabi to Istanbul and then to Miami International. And I just remember how well taken care of I was in, in Abu Dhabi. And then moving to like to Miami, like I had boxes, I had luggage, I had three cats and like no one wanted to help me. And yeah. I'm like asking the employees and they're trying to like charge me an arm and a leg to bring out like this big dolly. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, dude, like I already paid like 18 bucks to these like trolley carts. Now I got, you know, it's yeah. just they try to take advantage of you and like yeah. it's a hustle world out here like they're not making yeah it. they're trying to get theirs like i you know i respect it but mm-hmm. it's just stark starkly different you know yeah so this kind of leads into probably one of my last questions for you what um maybe i i think we might have time for another one too um but what is the best and the worst part about you know coming back to the United States? Yeah, I think the best part is just reconnecting with people, reconnecting with my childhood and like my Americanisms. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and like, cause I don't know, I, I can, became very like immersed into the UAE culture. I learned Arabic, I know all the food and all that stuff. And then coming back, I kind of like compartmentalize that a little bit and just focus on like American coach. So like, I don't know, like binging Chipotle, go to Chick-fil-A, like, yeah. you know, like those kinds of things. So I, I just miss like being an American. And I recall like always being bummed that I was in the UAE during fall time because fall was like my favorite holiday, you know, yeah. season. And then I remember coming back and I'm like, I get to celebrate fall here. You know, I get to, you know, be in that. I get to see the leaves fall, you know, things yeah. that I granted, you know. Um, but I would say like the worst thing definitely is like the rudeness of, of Americans sometimes. And I think the cleanliness of mm-hmm. public facilities, because yeah. UAE, I mean, everything is clean. Like the bathrooms are sparkling, you know, they have mm-hmm. workers, they're cleaning it every hour or so. And like, man, you hit these American bathrooms. It's like every, you fend for yourself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's like the, how many times do you have to ask the person next to you for like toilet paper? That happens all the time. Yeah, it's I, yeah, it's happened. Trust me. Like since I've been back, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. I shouldn't be at this level in life. Like you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, the food. You know, the I I can resonate with the food for sure. I think I love like I think Korean food is really good, but definitely when you come back, like nothing hits better than you know, some Chipotle or something like that. And just like the diversity of the food that we can get. Now that I'm in the DC area, I like everything is at my fingertips and yes. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, what do I want today? Right. Well, it's great. 
when you're living in South Korea, it was just like more South Korean oriented. Like, I don't think there's a lot of external like Western mm-hmm. right for cuisines. Yeah, they 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 have some like other cuisines, but like not to the same level, you know? Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's, it's kind of like the same in the UAE. Like there's definitely a variety, but it's all catered to like the regional palate. Versus like and and portion sizes, you know. You, I'm sure you know like the difference between mm-hmm. a portion size in South Korea versus a portion size in America. You know, it was like alarming. I was like, this is a small. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like shell shocked. Like begging the man, just like please, like you know, put extra ice. I don't know. Like it's too big. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Um, we do have time, so I know what we kind of talked about this a little bit but what does the future look for you like what are your goals that you have Mm, that's a good question something I'm excited for Mm -hmm. um are you looking at goals like professionally or personally or both well I mean both yeah why not let's do it well let's start like professionally um I want to you know my contract is like for about a little over a year now so um you know I'm looking at what my next options are I'm really really happy in my current position but there's also like room for growth and you know working on completing my master's um I started it um but I would like to finish it and there's just some like logistics involved with me taking it in Florida versus like back home in the UAE Mm -hmm. So hopefully sorting that out for sure. And then staying within my company, but who knows what kind of role. Um, But I definitely want to get into behavioral therapy more, ABA practices, and just become um, more certified, I guess, with that. And um, personally, just like you, I want to tap into my creativity. I want to see who this artistic shadow is inside of me and like get her out like creating things. So just maintaining that and doing it consistently. Uh, would be my personal goal for the year yeah that's awesome and do you see yourself staying in like the Florida area um I don't know that's the thing I don't know I think for the time being yes but Mm -hmm. you never know what life throws at you you know (laughs) and it's like I'm open to seeing what else is out there too yeah awesome well um we have a couple minutes left I usually ask this at the end of each episode um, if you have any projects or any thing on social media, as far as like, if people want to find you or reach out to you, you can go ahead and, and share that. But also I know some people are very private, so they might not want to do that. No, well, I wish I had something cool to share. I really do. But I think with my art kicking up, I'm going to create an Instagram page. So maybe you guys can stay tuned. Um, yeah like you know for future reference but I think that with my creative input I want to start producing and sharing you know that with my audience so who knows maybe down the road I'll have an Instagram page for my art yeah that'd be awesome if if you do create it then definitely I would be more than happy to to share that um on our Instagram page and help you grow your followers that's exciting though yeah yeah that's so exciting yeah well this has been a lot of fun like I this is honestly my favorite part about like the podcast is just getting to chat and like catch up and see how everyone's doing like it's so exciting to see where everyone's at like in their journey of life and yeah it's just a lot of fun 
I completely agree. I feel like we're connected, you know, in a completely different way. And we had our conceptions about each other, like over 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and we come back as like adults who've lived like, you know, lives and you yeah. come back, we kind of touch base on like the familiarities and I don't know, it was really nice. So thank you for inviting me, you know, to your podcast and giving this, you know, opportunity for me to kind of share about my background and, you know, my mindset. Yeah. And if I'm ever in Florida, hopefully I'll hit you up. We can get a drink or something. Please or more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, That'd be awesome. You mentioned, by the way, that you are in um, somewhere in Virginia, right? Northern Virginia. I um I am technically living in Falls Church, uh, Virginia, and then I am attending graduate school at George Mason University. Um, I'm I'm getting a master's in higher education, so the goal is to work at like a college or university afterwards. Hopefully, as like a director or an associate director of some sort of student center or program, something yeah. like that. Honestly, this podcast has me potentially interested in maybe working at a women's college. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like piqued my interest back in. I follow like all of the remaining women's colleges on Instagram. And it's very cool to see like their different traditions and um, things like that. So, yeah, it's it's an idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an idea you should keep at the forefront. Like, you know, don't yeah. forget about it. You never know where like things that that podcast can take you. Yeah. Well, so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening to the All Girls School podcast. But before class is over, please take a moment to subscribe or leave a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts. If you enjoy video content, head over to our YouTube channel at All Girls School Podcast, where you can watch and listen to each episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Girls School Podcast, and you can email us questions, stories, and more at the All Girls School Podcast at gmail.com. That's it for today. Class is dismissed.